Welcome to another episode of On the Line. I'm your slightly contagious and congested co-host, Christina Kay. But wait a minute, you just told me you weren't contagious and I'm I have a Mullings. screen in front of me to protect you. Uh, like a witness protection screen? Or? It, this is actually to protect you guys from the uh, it's expulsion like a of my screen. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay. All right, good thing you're across the table. With, yeah. In studio across the table is Holly Scott. That's me. And thankfully this is a podcast because I've got my hazmat suit on. <laughs> I'm going to wheeze a little bit. Just do it in stereo, okay? I'm gonna, I'll take over. Today we're going to go uh, on the other side of ghosting. Uh, last week, I think it was, or two weeks ago, Christine and I spoke about um, ghosting in the workplace. And this, we think, uh, should be a remedy to that, or at least keep yourself at the lowest level of exposure to being ghosted, or even ghosting somebody yourself. You might not even realize you're helping the ghost process. So we're going to cover that from the individual side and also from the company side. So, I mean, Holly, you've got 20 plus years at this. Uh, you want to kick us off? Sure. So ghosting and the term that I think you have been kicking around is really the the the, the, the void that happens after an interview on either side, correct? Is that, is that mm -hmm. the way we're going to just generally catch us all? So it happens on the client side. If the candidate says, geez, I interviewed and then never heard anything else. And then, of course, uh, the candidate walks away and says, I, I, I interviewed with this company. I have no idea what happened. And the, can, and the client who's highly interested in a candidate can say, I never heard back from this, this candidate. So we've seen circumstances all the time on both ends of that. Yeah, and it's usually a lousy process, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. I, don't think in, I don't think any company or any – well, I, I think individuals more than companies are intentional about it sometimes. Mm -hmm. I don't think companies are intentional about it. I just think they have a poor process. Mm -hmm. And I think that ultimately – Nobody owns the process mm -hmm. and HR sort of is given responsibility for it, but they're always under-resourced and overworked. And when you have that many people mm -hmm. coming in and out of process, so something's going to fall through the cracks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know what I've seen happen over the years too is there seems to be this theme of it's acceptable because this is the way we've always done it. Meaning the clients are, they, there's not a lot of change going on there because this is the way it's always been. And of course we've been busy and of course we travel and of course, but at the end of the day, it doesn't make anybody on the other end of that situation feel good or warm or engaged in process. And it doesn't happen in every company. So we have to make sure that that, that is uh, acknowledged as a fallacy out there. Yeah. <clears throat> and I guess my advice on this would be, uh, you cannot control the entire process. Uh, oftentimes we know when the process starts, but the process doesn't end until the hire's made. Mm -hmm. But what you can control, you can you can pretty aggressively um, and accept in an acceptable way, manage your own personal process through this. And I think that's what we want to talk about specifics today is let's start on the individual side. What can the individual do in order to minimize the likelihood of them being ghosted by the company? I had a question actually, which is before we get into that, yeah. 
Because I know it, ghosting as a term in our vernacular really came into existence because of dating apps. Mm -hmm. And it's a little ironic, right, that now when you can really communicate with someone in the most simple and easy way possible, right? Like mm -hmm. you could you could totally break up with somebody on a text message and that's so much easier, more cowardly, but easier than doing it face to face. And yet the advantage of this has only made people uh, less willing to do that, that sort of uh, extra work to really reach out and, and, and connect with somebody that you might be turning down, whether mm -hmm. it's a job or a, or a, a date. Um, do you find since you've been doing this for so long and, and the, the di digital uh, adjustments have been happening gradually over the past decade in your profession, do you think that the companies are more likely to ghost now in a digital age than they were back then? Or is this a, a problem that you've seen your whole career? Hmm. I think it's point. I think the mm -hmm. cause is because of digital. Mm -hmm. uh, the volume. So first of all, when you post an opportunity, post a job in days of the past, it was the newspaper in the local town. And mm -hmm. if you wanted to pay, maybe it got into the Wall Street Journal if it was that big of a job. So therefore, you had a you had a finite number of people that it reached. And then you also had to then put your resume in the mail or fax it. And that took a lot more work versus just drag, paste, email, ding, it's off. Mm -hmm. And people were not just haphazardly tossing resumes in because it was easy, right? There was no friction. So even if you're maybe mildly qualified, mm -hmm. you sent in your resume electronically. In the past, if you were mildly qualified, it was too much work to send in the resume. So the friction point now is much lower. So that's number one. Number two is the job posting is broadcasted around the world electronically. Mm -hmm. So you just have more people applying for jobs that probably shouldn't be applying for jobs. And you have more and more paper coming in for HR to manage. Mm -hmm. And so just the workloads increased dramatically. The science hasn't helped or technology hasn't helped on the sort of um, managing the process. In fact, it's I think it's made it worse. Yeah, I, I do believe, though, that the ghosting idea has gone back. I can remember getting faxes and many, many individuals who are not qualified. And, you know, just the reality is if you have a, a significant group of individuals who aren't qualified in order to get back with all of them and give them all feedback and give them all, hey, thanks, but no thanks, it's a lot of work. Like right, but said. let's stay in the process. So if somebody calls you and the ghosting for today is mm -hmm. a telephone call, right? So at least there was a point of engagement. Mm-hmm. And I think more people are interviewing more people these days. I don't mm -hmm. think there's less people interviewing for jobs. So there's more of a workload on HR. Mm -hmm. And while HR is responsible for it, they don't have the tools to manage it. So the ghosting is going to happen more and more. Yeah. No. And it's also become simpler, right? When you, like you said, you, you apply for anything and everything, and it's easier to, to blanket your information out there. And, and it's become almost disposable. I saw this with the texting app with social settings and, 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 um, just a parallel there, it seems like the relationships are more disposable versus when you actually get a live conversation and have that engagement. So it does become easier to ghost. Right. And people become sort of a, a part of a, a faceless, you know, correct. They're immeasurable number. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The relationships become commoditized where it was a lot more and, and now speed too. So now you can also meet in person uh, on Skype, more phone calls take place in order to expedite the process. So here's an interesting dynamic. Technology has expedited the process on engagement, but has not empowered it on disengagement. And it's because people just in general don't like to give bad news and say no. 
And tied with that is not liking to give bad news and also not wanting to have a litigious environment on what you say. So putting a lot of things in writing, you can't, you can't end the relationship in the interview process on text. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Legal won't let you. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because we do have tracking systems and so forth that allow for automated generated thanks, but no thanks. And more often than not, we'll choose not to use them, even though they're in place. But there's there's something personal in that that says, gosh, I'd rather not hear this this mean. I would rather not hear it through this mode. I would I don't want to just get a thanks, but no thanks. I'd rather at least have a, a phone call. And maybe that's me being old fashioned, but that's just the way it is. And then there's people that you just don't want to send that to anyway because it leaves too much to beg, right? Thanks, but no thanks. Why? I have these 16 qualifications, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's tough. That's a tough mechanism to, to automate. And so what I would give counsel on, if you really want to manage the process, manage your own personal process. And, and that means always get a list of who's involved in the hiring process with you. When you get in, uh, you get through the, tele so let's start with the telephone call, the telephone call, you have a telephone call with Sally, who's the hiring manager. You make sure before you hang up the call, you give Sally permission to say thanks, but no thanks anytime in the process. Say, Sally, listen, I'm looking at a couple things. Um, I'm super interested at this point in time. If you decide uh, after the phone call you want to bring me in, could you let me know within 48 hours? The reason I ask is I'm engaged in a couple other things, and I've got a timeline on those as well. If you don't want me in, let me know that too, so I can absolutely just take it off my um, hot sheet or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, feel free to reach out to me. Here's my way to contact. If I don't hear from you in 48 hours, either way, would it be okay if I reached out to you? Mm -hmm. I absolutely would do that. Yeah. Well, it's, you're empowering the individual to, like you said, control what they can control in process. And people don't know how to do that because they don't do this every day. You remember if it's a VP of marketing or a VP of sales or a director or a manager of quality control, they're not professional interviewers. Mm -hmm. They're not professional process management within the hiring process. So oftentimes organizations don't train them appropriately. And so what you have to do is drive the process from your side uh, elegantly, but firmly. And sure, you know what may happen? You may miss out on a couple here and there, but you'll close out things um, more properly or keep them moving along more crisply. Well, you said, you know, there's just such a high volume of applicants now. How do I know in the when I'm going through this process if... Uh, there's just so many applicants and they're really taking the time to consider and this is a slow process or if I'm just probably not high on their list of, of people they're interested in. How do I know when it's the process and when it, am I the problem? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. It, it, well, I, I think you raised a good point in discussion earlier about it. Let's, let's be realistic about what you apply for. If they're asking for 10 things and you have six of them, you may not be high priority. There are certain roles that get tremendously higher levels of interest than others just based on population, anything sales, anything marketing related, any executive level opportunity, we get a tremendous more inbound and most clients do as well. They also are going to be tremendously more selective. And that's because they have the opportunity to do that. So if you are in a competitive market and you should probably have a good idea of whether you are or not, or if you're going for an executive level role, you can assume you better be a 10 out of 10 or else you will not be a high priority. You can assume that and manage your own expectations on that, right? If you send in your information for something along those lines and you're not quite close and you don't hear anything, 
it's not going to do you a lot of good to continue to, to follow up. You may want to give it one shot. You may want to call. You may want to email once, but I, I wouldn't hang on to it too long. Yeah, and there's a direct relationship to the seniority of the role will generally take longer. Um, so you mentioned something interesting. Find out where they are in the process. Did the search just start? So if it started three days ago and it's a VP role, count on it being a 60 to 90 day process. Mm-hmm. Even if the best person walked in the door and it was you on day three, they're going to want to see a reasonable sampling. The board's going to want to see a reasonable sampling, uh, travel calendars, references, et cetera. So that's number one. The, high, the, the higher level, the more senior the level is in a company, the longer it takes. Holly also brings up a really good point. If you're a six out of a 10, sales guys, marketing guys, general management people, their go-to statement to us is, just get me in front of them, I'll convince them, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Right. And so meh, it doesn't really work that way. It just simply doesn't. It, it, it really is much more selective at the senior level. And you have to remember, especially if they're paying us, they want 12 out of 10. It's not even the 10 out of 10. They, they're looking for the absolute bullseye. And we owe them an exhaustive search that's going to have to, like Joe said, take some time and take lots of, lots of digging and lots of exhaustion of specific targets before we would consider going into people who may not have everything that we initially want. Have you guys had any experience where you're you're dealing with a candidate and it seems like they're kind of going into ghost phase of their process and then some time passes and their application is sort of reinvigorated and brought back to the top? Maybe they even get the job after after they thought, you know, they're they're ghosted for sure. Oh, yeah. I've got one going on right now with a client where <clears throat> the client had pers- had interviewed somebody early in the process they were, they were good. They were solid. But to that point, they wanted to see some other people. So if you're in early, be patient. And that's why I said you have to know that it's going to take a while. And sure enough, this organization chased two other people super hard, made offers. The offers were rejected. They're up against a timeline because they're launching a product. They're coming back to that individual who was literally presented in the third day. And you don't have to be presented by a headhunter to find out where you are in the process. Mm-hmm. Ask. And now they want to make him an offer and we have to go and rekindle that. Mm-hmm. Luckily there was a headhunter involved, but what if there wasn't and the company didn't do the right thing by keeping them warm, at least subtly engaged. And most companies don't, they just don't have the resources or the understanding. And now we're reeling him back in mm-hmm. and it's going to cost them. Honestly, it's probably going to cost them another 15% of the salary in order to land him mm-hmm. for two reasons. Now they're desperate mm-hmm. because they missed the other two. He's the last guy in the can, and he really is good for the job. He probably mm-hmm. was as good as the other two, but there were some other challenges going on there. And now they're lucky enough, only because the headhunter's involved, to even have a shot on goal at him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that happens. But my guidelines for the individual are, one, know exactly where you are in the process. When did the search start? Uh, what other candidates are in queue? I don't need details on the people's name. Uh, let them know you're pursuing a couple things yourself, ask for permission within 48 hours to be let known if you'll be moving forward in the process. If not, ask for permission to reach out to the hiring manager. Don't bother with HR. HR is just going to walk down the hallway and try and track down the hiring manager. HR has got a really tough role in this. Uh, And then if you leave a call for the individual after 48 hours, hopefully they'll get back to you. If you gave him permission to say, look, just say no, mm-hmm. like, no, no sweat off my back. 
Um, and if you don't hear back, drop an email. And at that point, uh, if you don't get response to an email, because they do get lost, and you don't get response to a phone message, assume you're out of the queue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's fair to assume you're out of the queue at that point. Yeah. And, and leave the message of, hey, look, just hadn't heard back. Really enjoyed our meeting two weeks ago. It, it'd be great to, to be able to continue conversations. But I assume at this point you may go, be going in a different direction. If I don't hear from you by Monday, I'll assume that we're going to, uh, that you're moving forward in a different way. Thanks for the consideration. Cordial, respectful, and a deliberate time. There's no no reason not to do that. And then that way, at least mentally, you can lift it off your shoulders and and move on, move forward with other things. Yeah, and be careful not to get snarky in an email or a message, mm-hmm. even though you're tempted to. Right? You said you would call me back in 48 hours. Now yeah. it's 96 hours. Yeah, it's don't a, do it. Don't, exactly. Don't do it. Don't write that email at five <laughs> o'clock at night. Write it at 10 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. By the way, here's another golden one for you. Never ever send out an email in a job search in pursuit or response after 5 p.m. at night. Mm-hmm. You are not at the optimal time for thinking emotionally, sort of rationally. And typically mm-hmm. at the end of the day is when you're least likely to have the mindset of saying, I understand that you don't want me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't be reactionary. In general. Exactly. No. I think most breakups happen after five o'clock at night. I'm, I'm sure. I'm they sure. They happen first thing in the morning. <laughs> Probably yeah. not a lot of those. Just like my mom always told me, if you put it in, in writing, you can't ever pull it back. That's right. So just be very careful. Think through what your response is going to be. Because remember, that's that's going to be what they either revisit, regret, or consider further. So if they look at that and say, ah. Oh, glad we decided not to pull the trigger on Joe Mullings. He's a real jerk. Mm -hmm. And there's that response where there's, wow, that was really cool the way he exited this. And I'd consider him on something else. Right. And and again, Holly brings up a great point. Feel free. Don't put PS and be like, um, I understand if I wasn't the right person on this, I was impressed with the organization. Should another opportunity arise, please totally feel free. Oh, yeah. To reach out to me and I'm happy to have a discussion. Mm -hmm. That's really important because a lot of times organizations, when they say no to an individual, they're afraid to go back unless given permission to do so by the individual. And if you're mature enough, smart enough and savvy enough to say, look, if it wasn't this time, I was impressed. Keep me in mind for future things, please. And I and I firmly believe that. Here's also what I would do. I would also reach out to everybody who is in the process on the LinkedIn profile. So if I interview with somebody, first I would go do my homework on LinkedIn on all the individuals. I want to find out their background, what I might be able to chat about. Second is before, after, not before, after you interview there and you still want to pursue the opportunity, reach out and um, try and connect with them on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Because they're going to want to do a little digging on their own And it's another way for them to watch you that in the future, if you become available, you make a statement, whatever it is, like, oh, right, Sally Smith, she was pretty cool when we interviewed her. Look at at what she just put out on LinkedIn. We should revisit her. Exactly. Yeah. Become part of their network. You'll never regret a, 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 a positive move in that regard. That's always something that you can feel proud of. How frustrating is it for you guys as recruiters to play sort of middleman in that process where candidates are getting ghosted? They're probably coming to you for answers and you you can't really give them or you might not even have them to give. So that's something that occurs often where you're sort of caught in between the company being indecisive or maybe moving on and the candidate wanting to know immediately mm-hmm. how Are we too old why? to get frustrated? We used to get frustrated a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. we, 
our, our role is very unique. We typically have a tremendous amount of leverage with our clients because they trust us and they hired us and they um, do seek out our guidance. There are times that it's tough because they're traveling mm -hmm. or they don't want to make a decision mm -hmm. because they want to have their cake and eat it too. And we'll force them because we'll remind them that if they really don't plan on making it off this person, they owe it just being a good human being to cut that person loose mm -hmm. so they can go pursue other things and they speak well or at least neutral about the organization in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So it's our responsibility to make sure we protect our clients on the disengagement in a timely fashion with them. So we don't get ghosted by our clients a lot. Um, I have fired clients who have ghosted me in well, the process. Yeah, they, if they're not if they're not reacting or if they're not moving, then it's not a priority. And and, and so that's why I I, I I laugh a little bit because it's it's not frustrating if you if that's the action. The action tells you more than what their words do. Mm -hmm. And if they are ghosting us or ghosting our individuals, then it's not a priority. Yep. So we move on. Yep. So what we do at that point is have transparency with the individuals we're working with. Say, look, you know, right now, not sure why, but it's not a priority. Just It just isn't. Mm -hmm. I, I, it was last week when they hired us and something has happened. As soon as I understand what's going on, I'll be willing to share it with you. Could be a million things. I, I don't try and assume. I don't always say it's travel. I don't always say because at the end of the day, there's one individual looking for a role and then there's a whole machine going into a hire. You have one stakeholder, a lot of moving typically, parts. A lot of moving but parts. tons of moving parts and all you just need one to go off the rails to put a monkey wrench in your process. So we try to be as transparent as possible with being as, as brief as possible. We, if we don't know, we don't know. And we'll say, look, something came up. And if and you want to bail or you want to self-select out, sure, feel free. We always sure. give people the opportunity oh, absolutely. to self-select Listen, I, I know you're looking, I know it's important for you and your family to get to California and, and look, if something comes up, yeah, keep me informed because I want to make sure that we stay in touch as things move on in uh, in the future. And that's just good for our stock yeah. because they appreciate the transparency with us and us standing up. Our approach is we really do index toward the individual because if the individuals trust us, the clients need us. And if we index towards the client, the individuals don't trust us as well. So while we serve both, we have a fiduciary responsibility. I will always go and bend towards the individual if. It's a judgment call and just doing the right thing is on behalf of the individual. And that's how I think everybody should move. Well, and that, because of that, protects the client as well. Yes, I that's mean, my point. I mean, at the end of the day, that's one and the same. And, and that's where we help them not to lose sight of the process and the implications because you have a process and you have lots of moving parts and each person in that puzzle has one responsibility and one piece of it. Yeah, we have one individual hanging on to whatever happens on that. So making sure that we try and pull it back to, hey, look, it's just, this is where we're at right now. On the company side, so here's my guidance on the company side. If, if you want to speed up your process, if you want transparency in the marketplace, if you constantly want to be able to reaccess individuals who interviewed with you, here's what you need to do. You need to manage the expectations of the individual. In-house, you've got to manage your hiring managers. Hiring managers in-house are terrible. They'll interview people and they'll want to wait until the 12th of never to finally make a decision. And HR has to force them to say yes or no. Uh, and then if it's a maybe, you need to put a timeline within three, five, seven days on the individual. And then when you cut loose the individual, just let the individual know at this point in time, 
Um, we're not going to consider you for the opportunity. However, um, we want to get back to you in a timely fashion because we're sure there might be other opportunities downrange mm -hmm. that we want to re-engage with you on. So I hope you appreciate our timeliness and, in fact, um, other roles that are similar to this in the future. If, if more companies did that, mm -hmm. it would liberate individuals in the marketplace and it would force the hiring managers to do ultimately what's going to happen anyway. When a hiring manager doesn't want to move forward with an individual, they already know it. They just want to keep all their options on the table. And then when you do that, you actually take options off the table because people are pissed. It's true. Right. So I would do that. And then I would, on the other side, clearly manage the hiring process transparently with the individuals. Here's how long we think it's going to take. We just started it on you know, July 2nd. Uh, the estimate is short list within 30 days, 45 days. Um, if you don't hear from us, please feel free to reach out to us. We'll get back to you. We'll give you a yes or a no, and we appreciate that. But I just, it, it should be a very clear transaction, and it's not these days. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I had an, an individual who interviewed with a client uh, in April and had a good interview. In fact, the client was pretty fired up about them. There were some reasons that they couldn't pull the trigger right away. And the individual went on to pursue other things and, and, and continued uh, in process. He actually was quite interested in the opportunity, and he had fired off an email. So we learned later on, sharing his high level of interest and also that he was going out of the country for two weeks um, and that he would be available as soon as he got back and, and was interested. Well, for whatever reason, that email never um, made it to the hiring manager or to the HR person. And mm -hmm. I wasn't copied on it, so I wasn't aware of it either. I did know that the person was traveling, but for this period, there was this assumption of ghosting going on and uh, it was it was alleviated after when he got back. But it was interesting because the hiring manager was like, I don't think he was interested. And the candidate's like, what happened? I thought we had a great mm -hmm. meeting. And um, there's there's a lot put on email sometimes. And, and right now we are buried in incoming email, uh, all of us. And we can't lose sight of how easily one missed message can impact the overall process or the result. Uh, that could have easily been interpreted over two weeks of, well, I guess we got to go on to our next candidate. This person's just not in the game. And um, if there hadn't been an interme intermediary, me, or if there hadn't been any follow-up afterwards, hey, Holly, whatever happened with that, it could have it could have really been a missed opportunity overall. So what's, what should somebody do uh, to put a, a net be below them? I, I would I would not count on email alone, first of all. I would send an email, and if you don't hear anything, meaning, hey, thanks for the heads up, look forward to follow-up or anything, which most hiring managers who are highly interested would respond in some fashion, whether it's short or not. Unless you're in the middle of a firefight, which happens a lot, too. And you're happens like, oh, I'll get lot. back to that, right? Correct, you don't, correct. Right? So let's assume he got the message or he didn't, but Mr. Candidate didn't hear anything. So... 48 hours later, he puts in a quick call. Hey, just letting you know, I'm heading out of town, but just wanted to reiterate how much I enjoyed the meeting. Uh, if there's anything else I can provide for you, look forward to it. I'll be back on this date and happy to continue discussions. Something that is is a, another point, another action item that can confirm their interest. And that, like I said, if, if they didn't have a recruiter involved, it would have been a missed opportunity. Because or it you got a CCHR. 
You should always CCHR. CC or yeah, exactly. CCHR. Or the, exactly. Because remember, you want to your point of contact is the hiring manager, not mm-hmm. HR. Never ever make HR your initial point of contact. Mm-hmm. Because all they're going to do is go down the hallway. Right. And find out what you want to do, Mr. Hiring Manager. Right. So I would address the hiring manager mm-hmm. and then I would CCHR in mm-hmm. those situations. Right. And, and still the headhunter if you're working with them. And still follow up and on the still follow call. up. Yeah. Yeah. So Miss K, how are you feeling? Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks yep. for hanging in there with us today. <laughs> no problem. I didn't do most of the talking. So thank you, Holly, for being here to help me carry a little less of this load with my nasally voice. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> it had a character. Well, thank you. Uh, tell that to my boyfriend. Uh, this has been another episode of On the Line. My name is Christina Kay. I'm Joe Mullings. And I'm Holly Scott. We'll see you guys soon. Ciao.